0: Today's kind of a big day. I have been waiting for mm, at least a week. Well, more than that, but this last week has been significant because I was told last Monday, today is Monday, um, that the contract for a five-acre plot of land in an unrestricted part of the United States, Western United States, maybe south, not sure exactly what to call it, because it's all new to me, um, would be forthcoming last week. And I didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. I waited until today, this morning, to actually call and just check in. And I was expecting it to be a pretty uncomfortable conversation, and I was expecting them to basically blow me off. I don't know why exactly I decided that this is what the result was going to be. I was just feeling anxious because to my way of thinking, you know, you communicate and you respond in a reasonable time frame, And when you say you're going to do something at a certain time, you do it or you let the person know that you're not going to be able to do it. But I realized that life happens and, you know, people are different. And as a friend pointed out to me when I called her afterward, what happened, which I'll tell you about in a second, um, you know, different parts of the country might operate a little slower than other parts for whatever reason, not to talk down in any way about those parts that may do so, but just it's kind of like a fact of life. Like things move slowly depending on, you know, certain places and they just do. Well, so when I called, I got on the phone instead of the seller, I got the seller's wife who I had spoken with before and had a really nice conversation a few weeks back. And she told me that the contract has been written and they're just going to be meeting today or tomorrow to actually iron out the details of the construction. And she said, um, you know, sorry about the delay. It's yours. And we pretty much got off the phone pretty soon after that. Cause she had another call. She's a realtor. Um, and so I got tears in my eyes, um, because, I really had thought I wasn't going to get this property, and I was really already moving on in my mind and in my heart and just giving up because I've been treated by a lot of people in life, and maybe you have too. I think the world is filled with zombies. Um, just like I don't matter, or like I don't deserve just essential, basic sort of, you know, decency. Um, And so I really was just kind of, okay, well, I guess they're just, for whatever reason, I don't understand backing out and not telling me, you know, that kind of thing. And it turns out I'm going to get the land. So today was a very big day. I actually spent the morning (laughs) calling a realtor in a different state about some parcels to getting uh, parcel numbers and more information and looking at pictures and, you know, kind of just spending pretty much most of the day on this, um, and got to the point where I was speaking with the planning department and they were assuring me that, oh no, those parcels were not unrestricted. And in fact, they had restrictions that, um, did apply yada, yada. So then <laughs> I was like back to square one, which I had started about six months ago now, where I did an intensive amount of place research and, was laying map layers into CAD and it was this whole thing. And so I thought that today I was basically starting over at square one, trying to find a place where I can put the RV that I purchased after I was told I was going to get this property, the original parcel. So it's kind of a little overwhelming. Today was also the election day for the California gubernatorial recall. And (laughs) it's sort of like if it rains, it pours, or when it rains, it pours, you know, but I'm used to that. I sort of thrive in a crisis and I can handle a lot of things in a short amount of time or simultaneously. I always have been able to, just part of a survival tool belt, I guess. I'm not sure if you can hear, but I have a little friend who's joined me. (laughs) one of my two cats, and he has decided to choose this moment to crawl up onto me and stick his face right next to the microphone for this app that I just downloaded just a few minutes ago and purr into it. So if that's, if you're hearing a rough rumbly sound, that's what that is. (laughs) So I got the idea to download this app and start a podcast because I decided that my Coast to Coast AM subscription just isn't really cutting it. I'm going to keep it because it's reasonably priced and I definitely love listening to really interesting researchers and other sorts of people who are looking into topics that aren't covered in the mainstream. But I've been finding a lot lately that the content just isn't often interesting to me and I feel like I have to wait more of the time for a good show to come up than I do find one. And I personally don't like the person who replaced Art Bell as the main host um, for reasons I may or may not get into at a future date. But I so I feel like I have to also wait for weekends when, you know, that person has a day or two off and another host will be helming the show. So I decided to look into pod- podcasts, and I have never, I never really jumped on the bandwagon when podcasts first came out. Um, there wasn't really a reason for it. I just was busy or something like that. I don't remember at the, you know, what I was doing at the time. But I just never really jumped on the bandwagon. So to me, it was a mystery. I didn't really know, you know, which podcast app to download um, because I wasn't sure if basically it's like all the streaming subscription networks where if you join, for instance, well, I won't name them, but if you if you join one, you only get certain shows. And if you join another one, you get only the shows they carry. I, I didn't know if it was like that or not. So I just basically picked one that the name sounded cool <laughs> and hoped for the best. And my guess is that all of the podcast apps basically allow you to see all the podcasts that exist. But I still don't know. And I haven't taken the time to look into that because frankly, I'm just too busy with other things like buying this land. <laughs> um, and so anyway, I decided to download the app and then I never did anything with it. I think it's been probably three weeks. Um, but the app was, um, promoted by the podcasters I was listening to, not all of them, but some of them. And so, you know, podcast, um, PSAs or promotions are not as annoying as with regular radio or television, or the main um, host of Coast to Coast. (laughs) So I just kind of listened through, and it made sense. And so I decided to try it. And I thought it would be kind of cool to document um, my journey in purchasing land And my particular story um, surrounding that, for those who might be considering doing the same or who are interested in going off-grid or who are interested in how to live off of solar or live in an RV or, you know, and, 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 et cetera, (laughs) all the different things that are involved. And when I was listening to some of the other podcasts focused on off-grid living, especially some of the ones that are actually taking uh being done from where I'm moving to. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I found it really fascinating. Even you know, even just the idiosyncratic way people, you know, express themselves and and, you know, maybe maybe they pause too long for my taste or they talk too slow or too fast or whatever. You know, I've been accused of talking too fast myself. Um but I really just found it really useful. So for those people who have been listening to podcasts since podcasts first came out, this might not be a novel revelation, but for me it really was. So I decided that from my own perspective, maybe I have something that might be useful because sometimes some of the things that I heard in other podcasts really didn't apply to my situation or my interests or my plans. So essentially, what I intend to do is go out into the middle of nowhere. And, (laughs) and harvest dew that's D E W from the sky and rain when it rains and, um, build out a solar system that I can basically power the appliances I want to use, um, with and basically transform a patch of desert into a permaculture oasis and, My plan is to host folks who want to come and check it out and who want to take advantage of the beautiful surrounding amenities. There's lots of hiking in the area. There's the Rio Grande River um, and all kinds of cool um, other things. People come down to that area, I think, to to take part of or take part in pretty frequently. Um, It's a pretty stunning area. There's lots to see um, as well as do. And it's a really unique area. And in particular, I'm drawn to the desert environment of the area I'm going, which I haven't mentioned this yet, but is far west Texas, because it's very dry. And the reason for that is because I have the skill set, being a professional permaculture designer, to basically bring water to the area. And you might think that sounds crazy, but it's actually really how the ecosystem functions. And so I'm very eager to try out and implement um, several techniques that I've learned and um, be able to actually put them in the ground on a larger um, piece of property that gives me the space to really spread out and you know, try different things. Um, so, for instance, I'm going to be doing dew harvesting. I'm going to be doing rain harvesting. I want to do um, ancient uh, water collection techniques. I want to do ancient irrigation techniques that require um, up to 90% less water than even drip irrigation systems do. I want to reforest the desert. I want to regreen the desert. And I have a number of projects planned essentially that will allow me to do that. And I want to teach other people dwelling in that type of environment to do the same. So I'll be hosting workshops and I'll be also offering information to guests who come and stay on the property. And I think it's going to be a challenge, of course, but I also think it's going to be a grand adventure. And in my life, You know, I haven't really been blessed with most of the things that I would say most of the people, if not all the people that I've come in contact with in my lifetime have been blessed with. I'm going to take a sip of wine real quick. I was having a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon with my dinner. I like to have a glass of wine with dinner if I can, um, particularly red wine because of the antioxidants in the red wine, being pretty highly advocated by people who say they know about health. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I really think that, you know, life is sort of an adventure, I guess. Um, I believe we're all equipped with sort of the innate ability to make it what we want in a way, no matter our situation. But I also understand that some of us are, have been harmed by our situations or other people, um, to the degree that we sort of either forget that capacity or we lose touch with it. And I'm certainly no exception I have sort of pulled myself up from the bootstraps, uh, proverbially, the proverbial bootstraps, as it were. I guess that's how you should say that. And I'm ready to kind of embark on this grand adventure out into the world in a way that I've never done before. It's a bigger, grander journey um, than any that I've taken before. And you know, I've lived in other places. I've lived in um, New Mexico and, um, you know, Ecuador and uh, I, Oregon, Washington, California. I haven't lived in Washington, actually. I just visited. Um, I spent time in North Carolina and um, I know there's other places I'm forgetting, but, um, you know, I haven't really traveled a whole lot. I'm not really a huge traveler, to be honest. I'm a homebody and I prefer to stay in one place and grow a garden and. Ghosted in cafes and go get a pub and maybe do a two-step, um, on weekends. That's more my style. I've just always kind of been a little more of a homebody, but I have been around enough to know kind of, you know, enough about the world, I guess, to feel like this is a good move. And it's also based on my experiences, um, in those places and just, you know, being a person alive in the world. I, unfortunately was born into a family that was very broken. And, you know, I know we all have a sob story, and I'm not going to go into mine. But, um, you know, just suffice it to say that I really am a survivor. And about three years ago, I came to Los Angeles County. I had been, uh, I'm I'm a California native, but I was born in the Bay Area. And I'll talk about that sometime. I'll definitely tell you about that because it's a pretty unique story. But uh, we went to Oregon when I was a kid and I really was there for kind of too long for me. And there's reasons why I was, but I finally was able to basically go back to Cali. And weirdly, um, I ended up in Southern California, which I have to tell you, was something I never thought I would ever do. Um, But that's where I kind of had happened to come most recently. And it turned out, um, it was a really fun, it is a really fun, beautiful, unique place. Um, I definitely don't mind all the sunshine. That is not something that you get in Oregon, except for maybe during the summers. (laughs) And, uh, that, that's, that was great. But also just coming back to my home state was, it's really been nice. Um, However, I've done a bunch of research into, um, you know, where to go and where to put down roots. And there's several criteria that I'm looking at that maybe the average person wouldn't be looking at, including something I discovered while listening to a coast to coast AM, um, talk show one night with a woman who said that she had received an entire atlas worth of maps, um, so covering the entire globe, showing a time in the future where the coastlines of the of all continents would be underwater. Um, you may have heard something about this sort of idea before, but I was particularly impressed with this particular woman because although there are several other people, including Native American people who have received very, very similar maps, this woman actually published an atlas of the maps. And I found that to be pretty impressive and curious. And so I ordered the Atlas and I used that Atlas to really figure out where were the safe zones and where not to consider. So that was what I spent the last six months on. Maybe the last, I'd say minus about the last two months. So I probably spent about four months on that, maybe five, um, really trying to overlay maps upon maps, upon maps, It was quite an arduous process. I probably should have learned GIS, but I didn't um, when I was going through school for landscape architecture, and I never really found a need for it. So I'm guessing that probably would have made this project easier. But anyway, it is what it is. (laughs) I did it the hard way, um, and the result overlaid with also the factor of politics, something that is apparently one of those things you should not ever talk about. But for me, it became really important about, let's see, it would be about five years ago now, maybe five or six years ago. Um, And I won't say why. I'll leave it up to you to figure that out based on the date of this recording, (laughs) which is um, in mid-September 2021. Um, I definitely wanted to go to a place that was politically sheltered from what I can only call the madness engulfing our country and our world right now. Um, And I'll leave it at that. And perhaps we will discuss perhaps I will discuss more about that in a future podcast. But for now, um, I'm just going to breeze past that a little bit. Suffice it to say that I settled on Texas. But just the other day, in my panic, and my anxiety around thinking, for some reason, you know, I guess just getting into my head about it, um, like I had started telling you, that maybe the Texas property was going to fall through. I basically did just a quick search, um, and found out that the governor of Arizona, um, was doing similar things to the governor of Texas in regards to the quote unquote vaccine passports. Um, regardless of how you feel about them, um, I'm not going to push you either way. I'm not here to tell you how to think or anything like that. I'm just here to say that I personally um, find it to be not only unlawful, but um, a violation of, you know, multiple human rights, civil rights, um, the Nuremberg Code, the Geneva Convention, um, various things like that. And I don't want anything forced into my body, especially something that I've found. Proof uh, that it's been killing people and permanently disabling people by the thousands, by the tens of thousands, even. Okay, I've, I sort of went off a little bit into into that. I, I don't want to go too far into that, um, but essentially, my point is, I really wanted to escape the governor of California because <laughs> he's basically kind of crazy, if you ask me. <laughs> Which is why we're having this recall election right now today. Um, so anyway, I, I realized that Arizona might actually be a safe place to go to, and that's kind of why I had been looking this morning and kind of, you know, whenever I get uh, freaked out about something with that's related to my living situation, I tend to go into action mode, and I work really hard to fix the problem. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's kind of what I tend to do. So that's what I was doing this morning. And I'm really glad that I did call the original seller. I just like put to rest the anxiety and the the head trip that I was on because I hadn't heard from them. Because it turns out I'm going to get the land in Texas. And, you know, this is incredible. It's a big deal. Um, And so what I want to document in this podcast is my journey. And what I've done so far is obviously find the land, which took me about six months to do and make a decision that that was the land that I wanted, which was a really big decision because it's about four times as expensive as all the other land around it. And that's because it sort of seems like it's special. So in Texas, it's unheard of to get mineral rights on a parcel. This land has mineral rights, which means that if I want to drill for natural gas or mercury or whatever, I can, and I can have rights to those minerals. The people selling it to me told me that there are no, there's no oil and gas in that area of Texas, so that's probably not what I would be able to drill for. But I did look and find that there are a number of things that you can um, also mine in Texas, and those include mercury and, you know, very like copper and various other things that um, that can be found uh, underground. I guess so. That's one thing. So I wasn't really thinking about that originally, but because the property does come with mineral rights, I thought, well, it would make sense to maybe pick a spot on the property that's a little out of the way and figure out how much it costs to try to see if there's anything there. I don't know. That's kind of far down on my list, but that's just part of why it's as expensive as it is. The other reasons are that for some reason that nobody can figure out, and it's a total mystery. I mean, I looked at hydrogeological records. I looked at maps uh, of the area showing, you know, where wells had been drilled. Um, I looked at as much as I could. I called the hydrogeologists or I don't know if that's their actual title, but for the county and, you know, heard what they had to say. And basically nothing really answers why this one particular parcel is covered in plants. Everything else around it is pretty much the same desert and You know, you'll see the shrub and then the space and then the shrub. And underneath that is like this kind of tan, like this very light tan colored desert sand kind of dirt. And this spot is just mysteriously covered in plants. It has mesquite trees. It has grasses. Um, I guess there's been a lot of rain in the area after a drought. So things are kind of greener than usual. But there's like fresh green grasses and things like that growing on it. So I'm a little bit fascinated because it seems to indicate that there might be water under it. It still makes no sense though, that there would just be water under this one five acre circle. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's technically a rectangle or something, but, but that's what it shows in the Google earth data. And the sellers took pictures of it about maybe a month ago for me, went out there one evening and took pictures And, um, sure enough, it's lush and beautiful. So that's kind of exciting because it could be that I could drill a well. Um, that's not my first priority. As I said, I want to do dew harvesting and I want to do rainwater harvesting and, and that kind of thing and ancient irrigation techniques to really bring, um, plant life to the spot that will draw rain. I know I didn't mention that before, but that's one of the things I want to do. It's a common misunderstanding or lack of understanding that, um, you know, trees actually do draw rain. The scientific community did finally sort of quote unquote uh, confirm that as if we need them to do that. I don't believe that we do. Um, but usually the way that people think about this is that you need water to grow trees. Well, you do. But there's ways around that, which I plan on employing on my land. But once you get trees established, they will then draw moisture from the sky. It's this beautiful thing. So I plan to basically create a forest <laughs> in the desert. And... Um, that's going to be tremendously rewarding. I get a huge amount of satisfaction out of watching plants grow and of care about um uh, from caring for plants and from protecting plants from damage and restoring them if they've if they've been harmed um or if they're in a spot where they're not getting enough water or sunlight. I love taking care of plants. It's one of my greatest um happinesses in the world. Um so that's what I'm going to do to it and I found out from a couple of the realtors I was talking to out there that I can also, I was planning on doing Airbnb. I was going to get a couple of domes and put them on the land. And I was sort of racking my brain and kind of getting into design mode, um, in this big black notebook that I got, unlined notebook where I can really kind of sketch out my thoughts, um, about how to do like a shower for them or, or get lights out there and rainwater collection for the domes. And then I found out, that there's a service that's exactly like the short-term rental market um, service that we all know, but it's actually just for camping and that it's actually really popular out in that area and that a lot of times there's not enough camping spots for the tourism that comes through that particular part of Texas. So I was so excited because I don't need to provide um, plumbing. I don't need to provide lighting. All I need to provide is a bathroom and so I've been looking into composting toilets for a while now and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I just don't really want to have a you know normal flushable toilet. I think it's just a huge waste of water. I think composting toilets are amazing. and <laughs> laughably, perhaps one of the most excellent experiences I ever had was when I was getting my permaculture certi- certification way back in 2004. And we did a practicum, um, design project at someone's property and they happened to have a composting toilet and it was just so lovely. And I, I really never experienced, experienced anything quite like it. It was just, um, totally odorless, really clean, um, just felt really in tune with nature. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> so I vowed kind of in my head right then and there that someday I would have that. So, because I'll be living in an RV, um, potentially indefinitely, I'll see, you know, how my resources pan out. Um, I really, it wouldn't have made sense for me to build a composting toilet for myself. So this is exciting because now I get to still build one, but it'll be for the campers. So I'll probably do two of them. Um, so that there's, you know, not a huge line because I do want to get good reviews, but that's going to be a fun project. And I plan on using things like solar string lights, and, um, shade trees that I'll be growing, which granted they will take a while to grow in, but there's also species of, um, uh, willows that grow really fast. Um, I'm going to try to grow those potentially to create windbreaks and shade in the short term. Um, and then I want to do, um, like glow in the dark pebbles and things like that to help highlight the pathways, maybe some solar lighting around the pathways. I just think that it's going to be super fun and a I guess there's a market for that. So I get to play host too. Then I want to do workshops, like I mentioned. So I want to teach people some of the techniques um, that I'll be employing on the property to help others in that area really, you know, maximize water efficiency and really learn how to transform the desert environment into something more livable. Um, You know, so the concept is fairly straightforward. Essentially I think it's kind of forgotten, though, or overlooked. Maybe I'm not sure. But essentially, um, if you look at a plant, that plant affects the environment around it. It creates a microclimate. It's it's evapotranspirating. um, It's respiring. It's um, you know has a moisture exchange, right? And its roots um, not only affect the soil structure, but they also interact in a um, you know chemical way with the air and the soil, right? So there's all kinds of things plants do that actually affect the environment they're in. And then if you look at um, humans, if you look at Native American tribes, I mean, they were planting plants and, and doing all kinds of things to change the environment, right? It wasn't like, you know, you look at a native plant, and this is one of the, the issues I have with the native plant movement, although I love native plants, I have no nothing against them. But I do have an issue about you know anyone trying to say that you know permaculture is wrong because native plants are the only correct way to do it. Well, what is native? You know, Native American people who were indigenous to this continent were, or still are, um, were transplanting and moving and seeding plants all over the place. Really, you know, you're, you know what I mean. So, so really, what is what is native? Um, so, <laughs> but anyway. Um, I I think that humans change the environment around them, of course, so I want to show people how we can actually alter the environment around us to a more hospitable sort of environment by bringing more uh, cooling shade plants, by building the soil, by uh, capturing and holding water um, in the soil for plants and for ourselves. And, um, I'm just so excited. I think it's going to be really super fun. And the fact that it's a very big challenge is kind of exciting. I'm a little bored in town. Um, you know, I think all I really need to get by is maybe a weekly two-step or a pub or, you know, morning cafe slash brunch. I think that's really all I need. To be happy, to feel you know like I'm in touch with humanity and I'm having human contact and you know I'm part of the world or whatever. Um, I think for the rest of the time I'll be happy gardening and building stuff. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to be able to get a dog finally. I've never been in a position to get one. And buying my own land in part was a decision that arose out of the frustration of living in other people's um, properties. And being having to abide by their, I would say, oftentimes nonsensical rules or unfair rules or overly restrictive rules. Um, for instance, the place I live now, um, the onsite manager kind of went crazy and decided to start instituting um, illegal rules right and left at the drop of a hat, um, and all the tenants here just rose up and sort of stood up against him. And um, you know, and that's fortunate. I'm glad that that. We're we're doing that, but at the same time, there's a part of me that's just so done with all of that. I want to be able to set sane, stable rules that make sense and that benefit people and that um, benefit the land. And that's one of the biggest things. It's very hard for me to watch um, unknowledgeable managers and owners just allow these moblo go outfits to gradually just destroy the landscape, destroy the ecology, remove plant material desiccate the soil, cut everything back, hack it all back, shred the ends of twigs and branches, um, and just remove plant material and organic debris from a property over time. It's very frustrating to me to watch that. And I am beholden as a renter to, you know, the standard, you know, hiring of such maintenance companies. And I'm actually, um, in the process of training, uh, people to do the opposite. Um, you know, that's a separate thing, but, um, so I'm really, you know, I think this is going to be good to be able to just have a place where I don't have to watch stuff like that. I can do something about it. I can actually, you know, bring, um, mulch in and and cover the ground. You know, I don't have to watch it being blown away by these toxic, you know, gas guzzling blowers. Um, (laughs) there's my little rant on that. So I think I've probably come to the end of any kind of thing I might have wanted to say in this first um, podcast. I don't really think I'm going to do a lot of editing to many of these. I may. I'll listen to it and see if it's just a big bunch of garbled, garbledy gobbled, garbled gobbledygook. <laughs> but I, I do like the organic nature of just talking. Um, and you know, maybe I'll splice in a PSA or two as I go, um, but for the most part, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. I'm excited. Today's such a huge day um, in, in multiple ways, but mainly because I found out that I am going to indeed get the land in uh, far west Texas with the mysterious um, water source under it. And with that, I will wish you adieu and I will sign off until a future time.